Does Siri have trouble understanding your Midwest accent? Hey there, Siri. What's a guy gotta do to find Nightcrawler's Nashwabanon? Dialing 911, you are having a stroke. No, 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 no. Siri, remind me to get a bag of bagels. Did you mean bagel? Yeah, bagels. I'm sorry, did you say bagel? Bagels. Bagel. Bagels. Bagel. Bagels. Hey, Siri, find me some oat. Finding dope near you. A crepe, Siri. Okay, I found a recipe for crepes. Crepes, okay, that's it. Hang on there, slugger. There's a solution. It's called Midwest Siri, better known as Cheryl. Cheryl Lazinski. How did you get in here? You left the door open. Oh, did you need me, dear? Hey, Cheryl. Oh, hi, hon. How are your folks doing? Tell them I says hi, won't ya? Simply download the new iOS update and let Cheryl do the rest. Cheryl, how far is Lambeau Field from here? Lambeau Field is 40.9 minutes from Manitowoc, if you beeline it. Hey, Cheryl, set my alarm for 7 a.m. I'm gonna make it 6.30 so you have time to stop and get some glazers from the quick trip. Good thinking, Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl, what's the weather like out there? High at 23 and 10 mile per hour winds. A heat wave if I I've ever seen one. Jeans and a hoodie should do it. Not that hoodie for Christ's sakes. You're going to church. That's better. Cheryl, what are the chances the Bears beat the Packers this year? Oh! <laughs> Good one, sweetie. That's a knee slapper. <laughs> you should be a comedian. Oh, thanks, Cheryl. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the podcast. Man, I love long weekends. That was awesome. Got a chance to see my extended family, Katrina's cousins, who I inherited as part of our package deal. Some of them wanted to know about my new podcast. So I told them, and now (laughs) I know they're listening. Hey, look, just a warning. I have a filthy mouth. I tried to tell you, if cursing burns your ears, uh, beware. Yeah, we gathered for a 90th birthday party. 90. And this woman looks incredible. You know, I I had asked, you know, what can I get her? What do you get someone for their 90th birthday? They said, oh, you can bring her flowers. Or she likes whiskey. I'm thinking, holy shit, 90. And the woman drinks whiskey. So, you know, I bought her whiskey and she must've received like four or five bottles. And what did she do? She opens each one and does a shot from each bottle. Like if I drink that much whiskey, I'm on the floor. So let it be known that there's a 90 year old woman in our family who could literally drink any of us under the table. Oh, a name keeps growing, dude. We're now available on Amazon Podcasts as well as Audible. So if you subscribe to podcasts using those services, just follow the links in the subscribe section on the website, inane.filmnagash.com, and subscribe there. Audible has this giant section for reviews of shows. I can only imagine what those are going to look like if I ever get reviews there. You know, I think Audible tends to be a little more upscale. They're going to be like, this show's a joke. It's too much cursing. Too many poop jokes. Who is this guy? Why does he have a show? It reminds me how excited I would get. I'd get hate mail when I did My Life as a Foodie. I got some people so wound up over food, 
or that whole Wall Street fiasco. That's what did me in. You remember they had protests when the 401ks took a giant dump? I had gone off on these millennials who were out there protesting. They were pissed off that their inheritance was being wiped out. Now, mind you, I lost a ton of money too. I mean, I have investments. I was just going off on these kids who didn't work for the money. One guy wrote in, he goes, look, I disagreed with so much of what you've said about food and food issues, but you've gone too far. I just unsubscribed. You lost a listener. Normally, I wouldn't reply and give a shit. So I email him back and I said, well, look, I'm glad I was able to entertain you for free. Piss off, you dork. The new iPhones will be announced next Tuesday for any of you interested in Apple's virtual event. So that means that iOS 15, the new OS, should become available as early as next Wednesday. Like traditionally, they'll release it like a week after or the Friday, you know, after they announce the new iPhones. But last year, they got, they released it like the next day. So rumors are at the event, they're going to announce the new OS, obviously, uh, the new iPhone 13 lineup. Apple Watch 7, Series 3 AirPods, and God knows what else. So, if you're an Apple nerd like myself, even if you're not in the market for any new hardware, which I'm not, it's just nice to keep up with new things that they're doing. You know, I keep up with Google too, you know. I just like knowing what's going on with new technology. Oh, hey, I was so I was on my weekly bike ride with my buddy Mark on Sunday. And I had a first. As we're riding, we're in the first half of our ride. I heard something hit Mark's helmet. And then it hits, it bounces off his head, then hits my forearm. So he looks over and he says, hey, can you check my helmet? And let me know if there's a Japanese beetle stuck in there. And I said, no, man, that thing hit us both. It's more than likely dead. I think those things are blind. They just fly around aimlessly and hit shit. Anyway, we make our turn, right? We're coming back. A bee hits my forearm, lands on my upper thigh, and stings me through my bike shorts. I felt it like right away. I look down and I see the stinger in my shorts. So I brush it off. And Mark says, well, you allergic? I said, no, no, I handle bee stings no problem. This little asshole stung me less than four inches from my um, important bits. I can't imagine what that would feel like if you got stung there. Oh, shit. So I come back from the ride, right? And I texted a few friends about what had happened. (laughs) These guys were hilarious. One said, man, that was a close call. But how the hell do you get bit on the back during a bike ride? You think about that for a second. You'll get the joke. Hey, good news on the home entertainment front. Roadrunner, the Bourdain documentary... It drops on DVD and digital download on October 12th. So I'm looking forward to getting my hands on that and watching it about 100 times. I must have have seen at least 20 episodes of No Reservations in the past few weeks. It was just such a great show, you know? And I'm able to enjoy these episodes now without thinking about the fact that he's, you know, not around anymore. And I remember when I'd see a particular episode And he'd be describing what he was eating. And then they'd show how they prepared it. I would go and I'd freeze frame it. 
I'd go back, I'd watch it again, and then watch it again, and write it all down, and I'd replicate the dish. And that's when I stopped looking for recipes and just started emulating the things that I saw on his show or other shows. And you want to know what? It worked every time. You just instinctively start riffing on this stuff, and then you make it your own thing. Like if you ever go to a non-chain restaurant and ask for something off the menu and the waiter or the waitress will say, you know, they're out of that. Here's a pro tip. Come back another time and have whatever that is. Because you're never going to hear that from the wait staff at like the Cheesecake Factory or Applebee's or Chili's. They're always going to have plenty of everything because most of their shit is bought in bulk, you know, from these large... ConAgra suppliers, they sell that shit in mass quantities and freeze it. They're never running out, man. But single, privately owned, you know, family-run restaurants that have fan favorites, and they sell the shit out of it until they run out, like good pizza joints, they'll stay open until maybe seven or eight or until they run out of dough. They run out of dough, close the doors. And really good pizza joints in Chicago or New York, they'll run out of dough long before closing. So if you see a line out the door and around the block, get in that line because you're probably going to be in for the treat of your life. Yeah, kind of sad, man. This Saturday marks the 20th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. And I'm sure you're probably seeing a lot of special news reports and one-hour documentaries being advertised. My family had recommended this six-part Net Geo documentary to me, which I watched last week. Man, it was haunting. It's all narrated by the survivors and first responders from that day. And the footage, it was all never-before-released video. Just incredible that they were able to get that much footage out there. Considering the kind of damage that went, went down that day, and these people got out with that footage. And I'm watching this, and I just, I couldn't help but think, you know, Bin Laden got off light. After all the human suffering that he caused, the nightmares that that day left behind, he gets off with a double tap, literally an instant death for him. They should have shot that cocksucker in the dick and let him suffer. It just doesn't seem right that he didn't pay more dearly than he did. Now granted, look, having to live eight years hiding in a cave Sitting, you know, in dirt, watching TV reports of American soldiers that are hunting you down. I'm, I'm sure that's not the life he would have wanted to live. But the punishment just didn't seem to fit the crime for me. That day, that month, the years after all that stuff went down, it just, it stayed with us. Now, people who weren't around back then or who they were too young to remember, they don't understand. Traveling was all lot less of a hassle before 9-11. Now, you know, you've got so many things you can't bring on board. You used to be able to bring, you know, no problem. Could bring bottles of water through security. Not anymore. Never had to take your shoes off or pack your electronics in like separate bins. Nothing like that. And we had it pretty easy. But it was that lax attitude towards security in airports is what got us into the situation in the first place. That was our Pearl Harbor, really. 
And I just, I just think it's always going to be that way. We have to get used to it. Yo, football season officially starts tomorrow night. I love when all these sports prognosticators come at us with their projections for the year. They're usually wrong, but they do it anyway. Like the Bucks beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl back in February, right? So who do you think they list as their top two teams? Bucks and Chiefs. And then the Bills and the Packers to complete the top four. They've got 10 teams winning 10 or more games. Bucks, Chiefs, Bills, Packers, Ravens, Rams, Browns, Seahawks, Titans, and the Niners. Where's Arizona? Like every year there's a team that comes out of nowhere and surprises everybody. But very few have the balls to pick that team. If you ask me, the team that's going to surprise everybody this year, the Patriots, now that wouldn't be a stretch, right? If Brady was still chucking the ball for him. But this is a team no one is expecting to do anything. I mean, that's a team that always has tricks up its sleeve. They're giving them a 43% chance of making the playoffs. I think they're going to make it and maybe even slip through the first round. Like I could be wrong. I probably am wrong because I'm a dipshit. But I'd rather be wrong than to be shocked. You know, no one was paying attention to them. I'm not one of these stat nerds, all right? I don't pay attention to that because anything is possible on any given Sunday. Like, the bookmakers get it wrong all the time, and they weigh heavily on stats. I just think it takes the fun out of the game. I think it comes down to grit, you know, team chemistry, determination, work ethic, and then really smart coaching. And I'll refuse to watch the first half of a game. Because games are most often won in the second half. Like if a team is getting their ass kicked in the first half of a game, it wasn't worth watching in the first place. But there's nothing more exciting than the last two minutes of a football game. Because that's usually when games are either taken you know, from behind. Well, maybe that's not a good choice of words. One from behind. Or you know, put away by the team with a better defense. If you have money riding on a game, those last two minutes are murder. But I, you know what I do every week? I just try to pick the winners just for the sake of picking games. I don't bet. Just try to pick them. Because I've never picked every winner on any given week. And that's what keeps drawing me back every season. I don't, I I personally don't know anyone who's done that. Most total wins on a season that I've racked up in a single year, 175 games. That was seven years ago. Haven't come close since. That's parody. And look, if you think that's a no-brainer to pick these games, try it sometime. And you can't pick the favorite in every game and expect to win that way either because there's always going to be at least one upset every week because Vegas is not perfect. And I had a good time, right, being with my friends for the Super Bowl. But it reminded me why I don't like going to Super Bowl parties. People talk through the whole fucking game, for one thing. Then they get quiet during the commercials, as if that's like the best part. It's not. It's a football game between the two best teams in the league. Let's watch that and stop thinking you know everything about football. 
Because if you did, you'd be coaching. Cheer, root, yell, whatever. But the constant yapping during a game, it's so distracting for me. I had completely stopped going to these parties years ago and just started watching them at home, even if I was alone. Best Super Bowl experience of my life. I could hear everything. I could watch everything. I could analyze. And when the commercials came on, I'd go get a beer or grab some food. It's not like you're missing the damn commercials anyway, because they release them all on the internet before the game's even played now. Dude, even back when I worked in advertising, I didn't give a shit. Dulls my experience. I'm a football fan, man. But I will say this. We are now entering perhaps my favorite time of the year. College football started. Pro football is getting started. Baseball is going to wrap up soon. We'll have the playoffs and the World Series. Hockey will start. Basketball starts. You got Halloween. Starts cooling off around then, at least around here. And then we just slide into the holiday season. The only part I hate are the Santa Ana winds, the fires, and pumpkin spice being shoved up my ass everywhere I turn. Do you know, I saw a bottle of pumpkin spice salad dressing the other day. I almost threw up my mouth. Who the fuck's putting that on a salad? I can't even stand the smell of that shit anymore. Pumpkin beers all over the place now. 12 bucks for a six pack of that shit. No thanks. You can keep that crap. Like, I'm embarrassed that I even reviewed beers like that back in the day. And that's another instance of me wanting to go back in time and kick my own ass for being a douche. It's horrifying. Okay, so you know last week I told the story of the time this girl I worked with, she laced brownies with laxative to get back with the, you know, get back at the production manager who was stealing everyone's food. I said it was probably the best story to come out of my time working there. Well, I remembered there was one that rivaled it. And it's a little sketchy, okay? So if you gross out easily, you might want to go ahead and skip through this one. I was close friends with this guy who worked in the maintenance department. His name was Ray. He was like an uncle to me, you know? He used to go fishing all the time. He was a short, stocky Irish guy from New York. He was a Vietnam vet. He was a real pistol of a man. And he and his wife were always really super nice to me. I'd go visit them. We'd eat sandwiches, drink a beer on his deck, smoke cigars. Anyway, one day he's ranting as he's walking through the halls of this place. He's really pissed off. He had a nasty temper anyway. But on this day, this guy was coming unglued. He started going through the entire production department, asking to see the soles of everyone's shoes. No one knew what the hell was going on. What was he doing? But they all showed him his shoes. I finally pulled him aside. I go, what the hell's going on with you? I thought he finally lost his mind, you know? He said he just had to unclog the toilet in this tiny bathroom that we had in the back of the department. Apparently, it flooded the bathroom. And instead of someone fessing up to clogging the toilet... They just let it run and bailed. I still, I didn't understand the shoe thing. So he explained to me. He said, I guess he went in there, right? Turn the water off. He looked inside the bowl. And again, if you have a weak stomach, fast forward a little bit. He said inside the bowl was the largest turd he'd ever seen. Like it didn't look like something a human could produce. And I guess he saw two shoe prints on the wall 
opposite the bull. So he deducted that whoever was knocking out this turd was holding on to the side of the toilet and braced themselves on the wall with their shoes in order to push this, you know, child-sized turd out of their butt. Now, the story was funny enough, okay, but the way he told it with his thick Long Island accent just killed me. I was laughing so hard, my stomach was in knots. I was crying, which, you know, only pisses him off more. So he was threatening to quit if the guilty party didn't come forward, because this was like going way too far for him. And I don't remember if they ever found out who did it. I mean, it was like decades ago. But that story went down, one of the funniest stories I've ever been told. And his wife worked there too, but she got fired. I guess she worked in accounting or something. They found out she was stealing money. I'm, I don't know if they called the police on her or what. They just fired her. And he didn't work there much longer after she left. I think they were investigating him like he was in on it. So he quit. Oh, God, it was great. Hey, any of you familiar with the show on MTV, Catfish, hosted by Nev Shulman? He did the original documentary, Catfish, with his brother, he ends up getting catfished by this weird older woman who was using a picture of her own daughter to lure him in. A lot of people thought the movie was fake, but, you know, it looked real enough to me. So I know this shit happens. And they were filmmakers, right? So there were obviously cameras with them. That doesn't make it any less real. But I remember I, when I watched the movie the first time, Cat uh, had given me an iPad for Christmas because she knew I, I needed to be entertained because we were going to do a year of chemo. So I rented the movie, and I'm watching it at one of her sessions. I've got earphones on. I was so engrossed in the film, I thought they were going to get whacked. And she's waving to me that the chemo was over. I told her, hey, I still got 10 minutes left. (laughs) I liked it that much. Anyway, the movie's, you know, it gets popular. He starts getting a shit ton of emails sent to him from people who have gotten catfished or think they're currently being catfished. So he works out a deal with MTV to make this reality show with this other guy, Max, who's a filmmaker. Can't remember his last name. And it's an interesting show. And if you don't know what the term catfish means, it's when you've been talking with someone online, but they refuse to meet you in person or talk on the phone or FaceTime or video chat. And it seems to go on forever to the point where you start to think maybe they're not who they say they are. And more often than not, they're misrepresenting themselves. I'm making a long story longer here. I'm sorry. I guess what, I'm, what I want to say is what, what gets me about this show, Catfish on MTV, is that in way too many cases, the people who are being catfished are gullible, normal-looking dudes or women. Average Joes, you know? And the people that they're supposedly talking to online are like 10 times hotter than they are. Like they're batting way above their average. Like every squirrel finds a nut, okay? You can swing for the left field wall all day long. But more often than not, you might get a base hit, but you're going to pop up, you're going to line out, right? You're lucky if you make it to the warning track, you know, let alone go yard. But a lot of these guys are fives and sixes talking to Instagram models who talk to these guys Like, no vapid Instagram model would talk to anybody like this. The conversations are loving, they're deep, they're caring, you know. 
intelligent, very polite. They get sucked in because in all actuality, these guys are communicating with triple figure pounded chicks with warts on their faces. But these girls know how to be human and say the right things to guys. And this is where the whole beauty's only skin deep thing, you know, comes to play. When they finally meet who they've been talking to, they're pissed off because they're expecting, you know, L. McPherson to walk through the door. They Maybe they'd accept a Sarah Jessica Parker lookalike. What they end up with, it's like Mama June on her worst day. And in some cases, they actually are talking to the person that they thought they were. People who are just, you know, maybe they were apprehensive about how they look or they got nervous or they have something that they're hiding, you know, like a kid or that they live in a dump. And sometimes hot people, both men and women, they get catfished by gross pigs who do it to get back at good looking people because they were so bullied in high school by the popular kids. I mean, at the end, the stories always go deep and you end up feeling really bad for the catfish. Unless they're, you know, fucking whack jobs who take, you know, no accountability. But some of these people do it for years using hundreds of different accounts. That's how they spend their time talking to people online, using other people's pictures on fake accounts. The most impressive thing about the show is that these two hosts maybe the best private eyes I've ever seen in my life. They use like reverse Google image search, phone number search directories, all these paid tools and methods to get down to the bottom of who's behind it all. They're really good and they find them every time. They can cross-reference things off of Facebook posts and they'll slowly deduct who's being real and who's being fake. It's impressive, really. But it's sad that people waste their lives doing this shit to people. I only bring this up because I talked about dating apps a few episodes ago and people tend to get catfished on those apps quite a bit. I should have brought it up then. You know, Tinder, plenty of carp, all that shit. And then, you know, after being catfished, the victims always asked at the end if they're back to online dating. Nine times out of 10, they say no. (laughs) You know, fool me once, you know. Yeah. All right, real quick. I want to share this recipe with you. I think my show is getting a little long here. I served this as an appetizer when I got together with my family on Monday and they loved it. So I want to share the recipe. I like to do vegetarian meals like three times a week. And so I, you know, I have an assortment of things I can make, uh, but this is one of those things that hits the mark, you know, when you want to serve something light. Basically, it's really simple. They're marinated white beans, which I serve inside of little Belgian endive leaves. But you could also like smash them or puree it on, you know, toasted baguette, like bruschetta, right? So it's real easy. Look, take one cup of cooked cannellini beans. These are basically like white kidney beans. And feel free, you can use canned if you don't want to cook beans. Just make sure if you use canned that you rinse the goop that, you know, that they come in in the can. Rinse that off the beans. You don't want that. That set them in a bowl, okay? Then in a separate bowl, you're basically going to make a balsamic vinaigrette. Six tablespoons of olive oil and six tablespoons of balsamic vinegar. And then whisk that until it's fully emulsified, okay? 
Then you add half teaspoon of red pepper flakes, two tablespoons of fresh basil that you cut, you know, you chiffonade, one finely minced garlic clove, salt and pepper to taste, and then you mix that into the vinaigrette. Stir that around and then pour that over the beans and then carefully blend it together. You don't want to break the beans up too much, okay? Just get the marinade over the beans, cover it, and you can just basically let it sit out for two hours. And then if you but you do if you can refrigerate it if you want, but if you do, you want to take it out and let it come up to room temp for like an hour. And then basically you take the beans, you scoop them into the endive leaves and top the beans with some grated Parmesan. And again, if you want to serve this as like bruschetta, you can just grill some bread, top it with the beans and just kind of mush the beans down, you know, because they don't, so you don't want them to fall all over the place or puree it and then serve it that way. It's a great handheld appetizer. It's pretty healthy, tastes Italian, and it's a crowd pleaser. Okay, and I'm out. Thanks again for listening. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. And until next time, my name is Phil, and this has been Inane. Cheers. Cheers.